So we have an announcement this week. We have raised five more chairs. So that is over a hundred thousand dollars. And you're wondering what is all this about? Yes, thank you. Um, uh, we've put before the people uh, to, to raise uh, $300,000 during construction here, and we, we started it to, uh, about a couple months ago, and uh, if you've been out to the site, it's behind Target, uh, the new UPS hub, a new, brand new 70-unit apartment complex uh, right across the street, uh, and this has been something that we've been praying, believing God for 20 years, that it's coming to fruition, and so, so we just lay this before the people, and this is just since April this amount has come in. So we're over one-third of the way. Amen? That is such a blessing. And then uh, next, we, you heard the announcement on the 27th uh, at Casey's after church. We'll be going out there and just get connected to the church family. So amen. Well, let me just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we begin today. Father, I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in and of myself, I can do nothing. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. It's in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, welcome to Harvest if you're new here. And uh, we do things a little bit different than normal church. And uh, so we just pray that uh, God uh, blesses you, that you can receive from him today. I'm continuing in a series I start three weeks ago. So this is the third week. And uh, I just want to talk to you about that God is working for our good, and then there's, there's a, an expected end that he has for each one of his children. So our text has been Romans 8, Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, somebody shall love God, and we talked about that, what it means to love God, all things work together for good. So maybe you've heard this in passing and, and through life, and, and you say, well, I don't know if that's the truth, Pastor Mike. I'm going to take issue with that. Just hang on to the end of the service. For those who are called according to his purpose. And we said that this word in the Greek, to love God, is actually agape. Agape is the highest kind of love. It is the, a love that only you can express knowing God. Did you get that? So that means that, that you cannot operate in this kind of love to love God without knowing God. And we'll take care of that at the end of the service if you desire. You may have a head knowledge of God. No, maybe there's some uh, greater power out there or whatever. You don't have it figured out. You know, I'm just a worm down here on earth. No, God said the things that are written in the scripture are written that you may know God. And God wants to know you. He knows of you, but he wants to be known of you and you to be known of him that you know him. And so it actually means doing, agape means doing what the Lord prefers with him by his power and direction. So the first step in even getting into the, the, the expected end God has for each and every one of us, you need to know God. And that takes a conversion in your life. And we'll talk about that towards the end. My text has been Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 46, Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. And this week, as I was preparing this message, I have some stuff even for next week, and I was just going to jump into that, but the Lord said, just, just repeat it again. Say it again. And uh, I'm just going to say some things again. Some of you that were here last week, and this may be repetitive, but I just feel it's important. The Lord wants us to hear it again. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. Powerful statement there. Ancient times from what is still to come. I say, my purposes will stand, 
and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. What a powerful verse. And we use the illustration, we shared it the first week, how this, this, this gentleman met this movie star, and, and uh, this movie star was uh, uh, making a movie himself, and so he invited him to his office, and he saw all these little index cards on the wall, and, and he, it looked confusing to him, and there was all these scenes, good, bad, ugly scenes, and he said, how do you know where to begin? And he says, you start with the final scene. And I thought about that, and I thought, what an interesting point in this series. And he said, you have to decide how you want the movie to end. Once you establish the ending, then you work backwards and you fill in all the details. And how much just like our lives, God has declared the end from the beginning and he's declared a good ending for us. Can I get an amen? A good ending. That's, that's, but it, it, there's a contingency there and it says, for, this is what God has done and is doing, but for those who love him. And that's why that is such an important point to talk about that, to just throw out that all things work together good for your life and you're indifferent to God, you can care less about God and the things of God, uh, all things are not gonna work together for your good. How many still with me? Say amen. And so, so God, I believe, he's planned out our lives and he starts with our final scene, what's, what he declares, what he wants to see, and then uh, uh, we walk through life. But like any good movie, how many know that there are, there are scary scenes, there are twists, there are turns, there are things that it seems like it's going in the opposite direction, and it's the same in our life. And many of you may be in a scene right now that does not look good. It may be scary. It may be a difficult. It may be, you may feel hopeless. Or some of you just feel like, you know, I'm doing all right, and, you know, money's good, things good, and life's pretty good right now. And, but you know what? There's always scenes that come in our life. And sometimes those difficult scenes are there to help us recognize we need God in our life. Amen. We need God in our life. So some scenes that happen, they're ugly, and you didn't bring them on yourself. They just happen to you. That's just life. That's just life. Uh, but there's some scenes, how many of you know, can be self-inflicted? <laughs> Isn't that right? Uh, someone once said there are two types of pain in the world, pain that hurts you and pain that changes you. <laughs> uh, the best thing about pain, it tells you, how many of you know, that you're not dead. You're alive. Someone once said, of all the heartache I've ever, will, I will ever know, only some of it will be real. A lot of the stuff we bring on ourselves through foolish decisions, self-inflicted. But here's the thing. As long as you're still breathing, which everybody in here, I believe, is, your movie is still going. And there are multiple scenes that God has for your life. And, and so we use the illustration, and we'll still touch on that here today, Lord willing, about Joseph. About Joseph is a beautiful example uh, this principle in his life and how God destined him to become a great leader. And he gave him a dream as a young man to understand uh, he's going to lead the, 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 his family and, and he was be very instrumental in the livelihood of his family. And, and they didn't like it. They were jealous of him. So at 17 years of age, his whole life has a twist. He has this great dream and his life goes into a spiral. And this unusual, unusual twist, the brothers send him to drop him in a pit, and they sell him into slavery. He winds up in, in Egypt, and, and he could have said at that time, you know what, I thought I hurt God, but I missed it. I, I really thought I did. And he showed me this dream that I'd rule a nation, and it, it just didn't happen. And we said this last week, but I believe it, it bears repeating. It bears repeating. The question is, in the difficult times, the question is, will you stay in faith when you're doing the right thing. Come on, somebody. When you're doing the right thing, but the wrong thing is happening in your life, will you stay in 
faith. Wow. Will you continue to be the best that God has called you to be? The best that God has called you to be. Even though you may not be getting the credit at the time. Even though, you, you know, things aren't working out for your good in this scene. Will you continue to be passionate? Will you continue to have a godly attitude? Am I speaking to anyone this morning? Even though the door closes, you didn't get the job, you didn't get whatever, you're unhappy, you're, 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 not, you're not pleased. Well, we see this principle, this is where Joseph excelled in life for some reason. He understood this principle, Romans 8, 18. He said, for I consider, Paul says, I write that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. What does this show? This verse shows the power of the gospel in sustain, sustaining our souls in trials and difficult times. I just wrote down a couple other translations. It said, the present suffering cannot be compared. What we now suffer, I count as nothing, he writes, Paul. The sufferings of this present life are infinitely overbalanced by the glory which, will, which shall thereafter be discovered in us. Wow. How many know God has an end result that's good for each and every one of us that love him? Amen? So here's the thing, and this is actually a word for Father's Day. This is my word for the dads. I don't have a whole message. Sometimes Father's Day, Mother's Day, we do messages. We throw oil up in the moms. We love the moms. Father's Day, you're a dirt and rotten scum. You know, I'm not going to do that. No. I thank God for the men in this church. We have some amazing men in this church. Absolutely. And they are making decisions to serve God. They're doing their best to raise their little kids, trying to be a godly example. And they also know if they fall, they fall forward. Amen? They get back up. How many are still awake this morning? Joseph kept doing the right thing when the wrong thing was happening to him. Hmm. Interesting. And here's the word on Father's Day. Will you keep on doing the right thing? He said, well, Pastor Mike, I am. I'm seeking, I'm praying, I'm endeavoring to live for God. I'm really trying. And you know what? Keep doing that. I said, keep doing it. But it doesn't seem, keep doing that. Why? Your scene will change. God's scene will come into your life that he has for you. I think about that and I shared it. I think it was last week. We've been going out to the job site of this new building going up. I'm so thankful. And so just, just kind of walk through through it and around it and just kind of through the areas where the children's going to be and where the, the stage is in the auditorium and in the back here. And I just, I just thought, you know what? What if we were to quit? What if we were to quit? You know, we wanted to quit many times. Pastors usually want to quit every Monday morning. <clears throat> Sometimes it's Sunday afternoon. But, but we didn't quit. We're still here. And I just see the scene has changed. And this is where God says this is the time. I'm so thankful we stuck it out. I said, I'm so thankful. I hope you're thankful we stuck it out. I don't know. <laughs> so Joseph kept doing the right thing. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? He winds up doing the right thing, winds up as a prisoner. He's sold by his brothers, and he goes to the captain of the guard's house, Potiphar. And so now he's a, a house servant. But he's in there, in this house, and he could have been a bad attitude. He could have been grumpy. He could have, and they could have just killed him, and he'd have been gone. But he said, you know what? I don't like this. I didn't ask for this. This is a bad scene in my life, but I'm going to choose to do the right thing. And while he was in the house, the Bible said he, he thrived. Why? Uh, I, I, I think he just got down and he said, you know what? Here's what I need to do, and I need to do this excellent. And I'm going to be the best at it. And it says that even Potiphar put him over. He was so trusted by his master. He put him over his whole household, all his affairs. 
So I could just see Potiphar coming home and someone knocking at the door and saying, you know, Potiphar, what about something? Talk to Joseph. He can handle that. Joseph gets it done. That was the type of guy he was. Wow. And see, he puts him over that. Well, and now the enemy's there. The enemy's there. So what happens? Potiphar's wife, she accuses him. You tried to attack me, and it was all a lie. It was all something that was not true. He was innocent. We see that in the scriptures. And so what happens? He goes to prison. Mm. And he's in prison for 13 years for doing the right thing. And some of you feel like that right now. I said, you know what? I've been doing the right thing. And I just feel it's, I'm not going anywhere. It feels like I'm stuck. Friends, continue to do the right thing. The scene will change. I said the scene will change for you. It will. Just continue to do the right thing. Don't draw back. Someone needs to hear this this morning. Don't, don't draw back. Don't just kind of get cold in your faith. Be more aggressive. Say, all right, devil, you want to put me, you know, you want to put it on me, then I'm going to turn up the heat. I'm going to serve God passionately. I'm going to pursue the Lord. I'm going to grow myself spiritually. Are you awake this morning? Amen? Press in after God. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it is the only thing, really, that is the right thing to do in that season. And so, so he goes to prison. And what does he do? He's in prison. He didn't fall apart. I bet he cried. I bet he was wondering, God, why? He probably asked those questions that he's there. But he's in a dungeon. And we find out, and if you read about this dungeon, there's just all different commentators on it. Some say that it was only so high. And so there were certain areas. You had to walk like this. It was filthy. It was just a nasty dungeon. And this is my take. This isn't in the Bible. This is just, you know, Pastor Mike's interpretation. I think the place was filthy. <laughs> A dungeon. And so what I think Joseph did, he goes, well, this is a horrible situation. I'm going to start cleaning and organizing it. <laughs> and I think he straightened out that prison. He got things in order. Things were broke down. He fixed. And then the head guard of the prison walked in probably went, wow, what's going on? You know, that he, he was an instrument of change, even in a negative situation. Will you still be doing the right thing when the wrong thing is happening? Well, nobody else is going to see. Are you doing things so you can be seen? Are you doing things that God can see? He sees everything. Can I get an amen? <laughs> he sees everything. And so he just, I, that's just, that's my interpretation. That's Pastor Mike's commentary. He organized, he straightened things out. Things that were broken, he fixed. I mean, he just, he made it where you walk in. Wow. And so they put him in charge there. So there, he's there 11 years, not 11 days, 11 years in prison for doing the right thing, wrongfully accused, brothers hate him, uh, Potiphar's wife, you know, all that mess. And he's there. Now he's in charge of the prison. He could have escaped, you know. He could have escaped. He could have ran out. You know, he stayed faithful. 11 years. Now watch this, watch this. After 11 years, Pharaoh's butler and baker, some squabble happens, and they wind up in prison. And so there, they have a dream. That actually, I think, that dream, God gave him that dream. And uh, the cupbearer says, you know, I was, I don't understand this dream. And then the baker had a dream. And so, so what does Joseph do in that moment? 11 years in prison, nothing is working out for his good. He's done everything right. Come on, right? That's what the Bible says. Nothing is working out. And then he has an opportunity to be a minister of life. He has an opportunity to minister while he is hurting. You know what he does? He could have go, I know what that dream means, and I know what that, I'm not doing anything. You know what? What about me, God? What about my, come on, amen? What about my situation? How come you don't work? You know, I've been asking you for this, and it isn't. You know what he does? He goes, I can interpret that dream. Joseph ministers God in a horrible situation. 
Wow. He ministers to these people, and he says, you're going to be restored in three days, and Pharaoh will bring you back as the cupbearer. And the baker goes, well, I have a dream. Here's my dream. He goes, he's going to cut your head off in three days. <laughs> it was ugly. It was a lugging interpretation, and that's what happened. But what, you can see the pain, watch this, of Joseph in this verse, in Genesis, when he talks about it. You can see the pain. He goes like this to the cupbearer. He says, please, tell, tell your master, tell Pharaoh that I'm innocent. And, 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 and remember to tell him that I'm in here and what I did for you, please. And what does he go do? He forgets. God knows this. Two years later, say that we say two years later. I think that's on SpongeBob. They do that a lot, don't they? Two years later. And, and, and now Pharaoh has this dream, right? He can't interpret it. Nobody can. And lo and behold, a cup here goes, Pharaoh, by the way, I forgot. There's a guy. How many of you know that it was God in that moment? He knows. He knows. And in that moment, he gets pulled out. And they clean him up, send him before Pharaoh. And even in that brokenness, in that state, he goes, I can't interpret your dream. But I know the God, the true and living God, he can. And he will give you an interpretation. So he interprets this after being in slavery for 13 years, the most powerful man on earth at the time. He gives the interpretation. And then on top of that, Pharaoh goes, you're going to be second in command. And he empowers him to save, you know, the seven years of fatness and seven years of drought. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I wrote this down. What did Joseph do when he was put in that position. Just think about that. Just think about some of you right now. You are thrust in a position that is beyond anything you could comprehend, and it's a, a very affluent position. You know what Joseph did? He did what he always did. The same thing when he was at home at the house. Did he learn some lessons along the way? You better believe it. He did the same thing when he was in Potiphar's house. He did the same thing he did when he was in the prison, serving, cleaning things up, organizing things. He did the same thing. What did he do? He took care, he organized, and he saved up grain for many, many years, and his family was saved because of it. He kept doing the same thing. Why? He understood that he knew, and if he was here today, he would say, you know what? Don't get discouraged by the detours. It was very easy. There were many times in prison I woke up, I cried. I wondered what was my future. I wondered what was the hope. I wonder if this situation in my life would change or my life is just doomed. He trusted God. I said he trusted the Lord, and that's a word for many of you here this morning. Don't be discouraged by the detours, the twists of life, but the things that you don't understand. Why? For some reason, only God knows this. These are necessary scenes to our movie. Here's the thing as I think about this, and I was going to get into this next week, but I'll just give you a little tidbit at the 1030 service that the nine didn't have. <clears throat> you know what? God is working for our eternity. We are training to reign with him. And things, watch this now, just try to grasp this. Things that happen that we don't understand, and at times we can look back, and even in people's lives throughout our whole life, we go, that made no sense. And they may be dead and gone, right? We don't know what it's going to be like in heaven. God is training us to reign with him through eternity. And so when you're in heaven, and you didn't understand that on earth, and nobody really understood it on earth, it didn't make sense. In heaven, God says, I'm going to use that, and you're going to reign with me. Think about it from a heaven's perspective, some of the difficulty you're going through now. Got off quiet in this full gospel church. Amen? I know it's hard. It's not easy. It's very challenging. I'm not making light of the extremely agonizing. As a pastor, my wife and I, we've been through some 
tremendously agonizing, agonizing situations as pastors. And many times I throw my hands up and say, it makes no sense. Makes no sense. I don't understand that, Lord, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. How many with me say amen? And so, so by themselves, the scenes in your life, some of them, they just don't make sense. But only God can bring them together. Only he can do that and fulfill his purpose in your life. But this is where many people, they get frustrated. They get frustrated. They get distracted. They lose their passion. And, and once again, it's understandable. Mike, Pastor Mike, if God's so good, why did I have this bad break? Why did this thing happen to me? Why did I go through this tremendous loss? Why didn't my relationship make it? Why this untimely death? Why, why, why? I have asked many, many times, many, many times why. And doing the right thing, faithfully, as a young man starting this church, praying, even before that, while I was in the, in the Marine Corps, and, and being faithful, and, and just some difficult things I faced with there. Seeking, uh, serving, preaching, leading, teaching, and our ministry experience over the last 30 years, uh, just the tragedies and all of the things, uh, just things that you can't explain that people are faced with and, and all of that. And then on top of that, then there's failed relationships and there's painful things we walk through and, and, and hurts and betrayals. And I don't understand all the whys. If any pastor gets up and tells you that, they're lying. But I do understand this. I understand if you stay faithful. I understand it. Come on, somebody, if you press in, I understand if you don't quit in this ugly scene, this scary, life-threatening scene that is, goes to the core of you, God will bring in his scene. He will change that scene in your life. And you'll want, just like my wife and I, when we walk through and we see this building going up, I go, oh, dear God, I am humbled by it. And what, what if we were to quit? I walk around like, if we were to quit, this wouldn't happen. See, this scene was just later on. <laughs> this scene took 20 years. Amen. No, I wasn't in prison, thank God. <laughs> but it took 20 years. I don't want to go. <laughs> How many with me say amen? <clears throat> we may never understand all the whys. But here's what I want you to get. This is what I want you to get. Nothing that happened to you can keep you from your destiny. Nothing. The only thing that can stop you is you. Some of you need to snap that and post that or whatever. <laughs> and how many know you can be a big obstacle? Let me just put it to me. Let me personalize it. How many know I can be a big obstacle to me? If you get negative, if you get bitter, if you lose your passion, amen, you gossip. All these things can keep us from God's best. You may have had unfair things happen to you. And you know what? I've learned over time that there's the depth of our pain can be an indication of the height of our future. The Bible says something in 1 Corinthians 2, 7, 8. I was actually reading it this morning. It says this. He says, now, he says, no. He says, no, we speak of the mysteries in the hidden wisdom of God, which he destined for our glory before time began, before the world was made. God has destined certain things for you and I before this planet was even here. What? You mean to say he knew of me? You need to, someone needs to write that down. God knew of you before all of this happened. Wow. So he destined some things. And it says in verse 8, he said, None of the rulers or the princes of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified Jesus to the cross. The Lord of glory, many translations say. What does that mean? If they would have known 
the plan, the purpose of God, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Romans, and even the demons, I believe. If they would have known it, Jesus would not have been crucified. That tells you God duped them. <laughs> he tricked them all, amen? His plan came to pass. And so we don't want to be the obstacle in our life. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in Luke 9, 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, which is a reference to Lot's wife. How many remember Lot's wife? <laughs> You read that in the Old Testament in Genesis. I actually had an opportunity to go to the Dead Sea. And there was an area where all these salt pillars are, and they have one that says, that's Lot's wife. And went, oh, wow, big salt pillar. And we know the story when fire and brimstone came down upon Sodom and Gomorrah and the, the wretchedness and the wickedness that, that Lot and his family angels had to just basically pull them out and grab them out of there. And as they were fleeing, we hear the reference to Lot's wife. She's running. She's running away from everything that she had that was dear to her. Everything that she remembered, it was her home. All of the families, the relationships, the people that she went out with coffee with or whatever, and all of those things. She was running away. She got to a point. She stopped. She said, it's too much. I got to go back. And it says that she was destroyed in that. And I thought, Jesus said, when we set our hand to the plow, if we look back, we're not fit for the kingdom of God. And it's a reference directly to Genesis 19 talking about it. And I like this one commentator said, it is not an actual return to the world, watch this, but a reluctance to break from it. Did you get that? It wasn't like, I want to just go back to the world. It's, I don't want to break free totally from it. Hmm. I'm going to say amen. Remember Lot's wife. You know, friends, religion is everything or it's nothing. Isn't that right? Either God is center of our life or he's not. I've been doing a lot of concrete pouring and uh, uh, helping people in the church. And, and there's something about concrete. Concrete. Concrete's not like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will forgive. Concrete will not forgive you. <laughs> it's unforgiving. You don't get it right now. It's done. You can pray all you want. You can whatever. It's, you got to do it, and you got to do it quick. You got to do it right. But something about foundations, when they dig deep, you know, that for buildings, they got to go really deep. We know that. And they go deeper, and they lay re-rod, and they just fold. I mean, there's a system to it, and it's amazing, the structure. And so when they're going to build a tall building, construction workers, they got to go down many stories to this foundation to get to bedrock or whatever. And so watch this. The taller the building, the deeper the foundation. Did you hear that? The deeper the foundation. Why? It needs, obviously, to hold the structure. So, too, in our spiritual development. Once again, don't just think about only this life. Think about the life thereafter. What is God instilling and training in our lives? Romans chapter 5, verse 17 actually touches on this. says this, How much more shall they who receive, talking about the believers, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in the realm of life? Do you know that's what God has called each and every one of us? To reign as kings. Pastor Mike, I'm not reigning as a king. I'm not reigning at all. So the Bible is saying, and we can see just in this verse, that we are to reign in this life by Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. It also means reigning with him in the life thereafter, in the life thereafter. Training for reigning. You know, I said this, I think, last week, but I don't know if I got into it in the service here. When we get to heaven, how many know that Jesus will still have scars? That may be a revelation to some of you. He's like, well, we see the Lord. Are you going to see his hands will have the holes, his feet, his side, his back will be scarred, his front. They will never go away. 
Is the pain gone? Well, absolutely, but the remembrance it. Jesus, the son of the living God, God in the flesh, has scars in heaven. Do you think we're not gonna have any scars from this life? Stand with me if you would, please. We can reign in this life. So when we go through things that we don't understand, difficult situations that we may not like, they may be uncomfortable. I believe this. God is getting us prepared to take us higher than we've ever been before. But you need to press in. And here's the thing. You may think that this present scene in your life is here to defeat you. It's not here to defeat you if you don't let it. If you don't let it. It's God's going to use it, I believe, to increase you. But along the way, there are many things that don't make sense. And this is what faith in Christ is about. Every head bowed, please. This is the most important point in the service, the gospel presentation. You're here this morning. You say, well, I know of God or heard of it, or, or maybe you attend a certain church, but the, your faith is not centered. It's not everything. It's, it's just out there. God is some mysterious being, entity you don't really know. The Bible says these things are written in the Bible that you may know God. God wants you to know him. He knows of you. He wants you to know him. You can know the Lord. You can know the Lord. So how do I do that? What do I have to do? The scripture says that we are all born into sin. Did you get that? So that beautiful little cute baby, girl or boy that you love so dearly, they have a sin nature. They are born into sin. And the Bible talks about that we're all born into sin, every person, every single person because of the fall. That's why Jesus came. But Jesus came and purchased salvation for us. But you don't just get that just because he did it. You get that because you humble yourself you repent and you are converted. What does that mean? You receive Christ in your life. You've got to invite him in. And sometimes I, we brush by this, especially Pentecostal or charismatic churches, but a lot of people don't get this. You must invite God in your life. You want to have a desire to end God's purposes. You've got to invite God in your life. And what are the steps to that? The Bible says you need to repent. You need to recognize that you're a sinner that you have transgressed and broken God's laws. When you come to the place that you recognize that, then you see your need for salvation. If you never come to that place, someone could just tell you God loves you. It's like, well, big deal. I need help with such and such today. It doesn't matter. But when you recognize that without Christ, you're destined to hell. Wow, it matters severely. With every head bowed here this morning, I believe God's pulling on people's hearts. He's revealing himself. I believe there's a stirring even going on in many of your hearts today. Those of you who listen online, there's a stirring. There's a stirring. And God is calling you. He's saying, will you receive my free gift of salvation? Will you invite me in your life? Will you take this step of faith? If you take this step of faith, if you surrender your life to me, you give the reins of your life control to me and let me take it. I will work in your life. I will change your scenes. It doesn't mean there's not going to be some bad scenes in the future, some scary scenes, but my desired end will come to pass. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not here to embarrass you, but this is a very important decision. It is the most important decision you can make in your life. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to accept Christ in your life.
It's not a scary thing. It's very simple. It's very easy. You can pray right where you're at, right where you're at there in your seat. But I'm going to pray us and lead us in a prayer, a corporate prayer. And so if you're saying, you know what, I'm at this point, Pastor. I need God in my life. I don't want God to be relegated to something happens on a Sunday or, you know, a few moments here and there during the week. I want God's center of my life. I need Jesus with every head bowed. Pray with me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, this day, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And my friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it. We want to help you on your journey. We want to help you in your spiritual development. That's the greatest decision you've ever make in your life. The decision to receive Christ in your life. Amen? Amen, church. God bless you. Praise God. Let me